John is in Las Vegas. We can't wait to get there. John, what do you think? Let me tell you something, Amy. You want to have fun in Vegas? I'm your guy. You think you're going to want to go to the Mob Museum? Yes. I am the greeter at the Mob Stop it! Stop it! You're a greeter? I am Chicago Johnny. That's money. I will definitely be there. They came to a personal tour. I got a nice electric chair that you can sit in. You sit in it, you pull the lever, and it electrocutes you. It's so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. I feel like this is going to be a personalized experience now. Jackpot. They make their own moonshine. (laughs) Real moonshine. It's not 80 proof. It's 80 (laughs) percent. Jay, should we be drinking moonshine at noon? I promise you, I'm not going to let you down. You're going to love it. After Hours takes on Las Vegas for the first time. Brought to you by Southern Recipe. On an evening Roma. On an evening Roma. I cannot wait to meet Chicago Johnny. We are eight hours away from our Chicago Johnny experience. We've talked to multiple people, whether it be cab drivers, Lyft drivers, even friends of mine who reside in Las Vegas who are on Radio Row. They all say the Mob Museum is worth it. It's one of the coolest spots in Vegas, and we are going to have a personalized tour. And then producer Jay has picked what locale? for your early breakfast, thanks for all the hard work, in Las Vegas brunch. We will be at the Bellagio. Oh, I feel so foo-foo. It is. We're going to it the is. Bellagio. <laughs> My goodness, should we dress up for the Bellagio? Well, then we'll be dressing up for the Mob Museum. Yeah, see, I can't do that. I've got to wear sneakers yeah. because we're going to be walking a lot. Just dress like gangsters? Oh, how does one dress like a gangster? I mean, we could find a store on the way. <laughs> There's sure a store for everything. We've seen the Las Vegas sock store, so we can certainly find that one. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. We are down to our final hour. We've got awesome new videos, including Damar Hamlin, dazzled by a magic trick on Radio Row. It was pretty impressive, Uh, so check that out. Also, Lemon Lime. I know, I know. Just just go look at them. They're kooky. Uh, And a couple of the, I'll call them... Pieces of memorabilia we brought back from the Cigars with the Stars party. We've managed to thaw out again, but there is a photo from the red carpet. Producer Jay and I stood on the red carpet. So, again, on our Facebook page, on Twitter, After Hours CBS, uh, my Twitter, A-Law Radio. So, yeah, with one hour to go, two great conversations left from our time here in Las Vegas. Once again, our thanks to 98.5 HD2 The Bet for hosting us and our shows each night. And Dan, the engineer, who just gave us a card, gave us a run of the place. Uh, we, we've really enjoyed the experience because it's our first time in Vegas. Well, Jay as an adult, but also because it's the first time on Radio Row and it's Super Bowl week since 2020. And it meant a lot to me to get back here. And we're grateful for your support. Trey Wingo and I worked together for years at our previous network, had not crossed paths in over a decade. And so to be able to see him in person, give him a big hug, and then sit down and talk to him about his latest venture, yeah, awesome. And he's actually gone through a bit of a metamorphosis in his career as well. So I asked him what it was like to get back here. Uh, You did it so long as part of the rat race as an NFL host. Is it calmer this way? I mean, it's just the fun part about this for me is I see so many people like yourself that I worked with over the years, and I you know haven't been able to stay in touch with, and that's the fun part. Um, 
the rest of it is, you know, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, it's funny. I flew in last night, and you know, I, obviously Vegas is Sin City, and watching all the puns, you know, Pepsi, banana, the, spon- the soda sponsor. It's Sip City, you know. <laughs> and then there's the Aviation Gin. It's Gin City, you know. So hey, all that stuff is wonderful. I'm just here for the game and and to talk about the fun stuff, and you know, all the other stuff doesn't matter. It's just seeing people that you love and and that you respected and, and have worked with all those years and then and then just talking about football you're gonna not believe this because i keep getting the same reaction it's my first time in vegas really <laughs> see what i mean wow <laughs> and uh, to see it like this is pretty incredible yeah i mean this is the city that's probably more equipped to do this than any other city on the planet uh so it's nice that the nfl has finally decided thanks to the supreme court uh to embrace sports betting uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Tony Romo was told by the NFL he couldn't have a fantasy football convention in a Las Vegas hotel because it had a casino. Well, the Raiders are here now. We're here now. The draft was here. Eventually, all four major sports in this country are going to be in Vegas because it just makes sense. There's always this line about the yeah. NFL rigging things, which I think is ridiculous yeah. because it never follows any kind of plan or well, prototype. Well, the, 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 this one, the crazy conspiracy theory was the color of the logo of the Super Bowl. Oh, right, right yeah. exactly. Well, the Ravens aren't here, so... It was, it was pre-scripted, and yes. they let the cat out of the bag. But at the same time, though, the idea that the NFL is partnering, like many other leagues, with gambling yeah. sites or yeah. different ventures, does that change the perception, do it, you think, with fans? If it does, I think it's a flawed argument. Mm-hmm. And the reason I would explain it is, you know, nothing has changed in terms of how the NFL tells the players what they can and can't do. Like, you still can't gamble. You still can't do that. You still can't do all these other things. And they've amended it slightly, but the rules have been in there since way before they were in with Las Vegas. So all these things haven't changed. It's just that they're seeing, you know, companies and sports books buy into the NFL, and the NFL's like, we will happily take your money because that's how you become a $22 billion a year industry. And know? is it Roger Goodell stated gold $25 billion that is correct. Dollars a year? Oh, he's almost there. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, the other thing about commissioners, we all think of them as some sort of benevolent grandfather of the sport. No, commissioners work for the owners. They do. That's his job. His job is to work for the owners, and he does an incredible job of representing the owners very well. Do you think he's a good commissioner? I do, for a couple of reasons. I think there have been three pivotal commissioners in the history of the NFL. Pete Rozelle sold the league when, you know, the first Super Bowl wasn't called the Super Bowl. It was the AFL-NFL World Championship game. It was on two networks, and they couldn't sell out the L.A. Coliseum. My dad worked that first Super Bowl for no Life, way. Life Magazine, and he said it was the biggest nothing burger he'd ever They didn't even file a story. He went to cover it, and they didn't put it in Life Magazine. <laughs> didn't even put it in. So Pete Rozelle sold the league, right? And then Paul Tagliabue came along. And a lot of people thought Jim Finks, who was a former uh, GM of the Saints, uh, was going to be the next GM. But Paul was a litigator, and he knew that there were going to be some labor issues. Paul was a really good lawyer. Paul stabilized the league legally. Roger's a politician. He's a salesman, and that's what he's done. So you had the salesman and Pete Rozelle sell the league. You had the lawyer stabilize the league legally, and then you have Roger to be the PR front for when things go bad, this is how we're going to fix it. And that's why we have the totality of the NFL sort of involving us all the time in everything that they do. Oh, everything. It never goes yeah. away. No. Super, Bowl, Super Bowl's ends, and then the next thing we're talking about is free agency. March Madness used to be college basketball. It's now signings in the NFL. That's true. Yeah. That voice, it's Trey Wingo. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio or on Radio Row. I feel like it's been probably 15 years since we've seen each other. Probably. But yeah, it, that, as you're talking about, it's fun to have those yeah. reunions. Did you see Mike Golick? Because he was here, too. Saw Golick, saw Stugat, saw Merrill Hodge, saw Mark Schlereth. Oh, just, a, just a million 
million people, you know, <laughs> just a million people. And that's the fun part about this because we all go our separate ways and we all convene wherever the Super Bowl is and you just get to see old friends again and that's fun. You're still talking. Yeah, sadly. Got a br- No, stop. <laughs> you got a brand new show yeah, and, yeah. and you're part of kind of this branch out where it's not just terrestrial anymore. Yeah. It's not just network TV. Yeah. Your show's Amazon. Yeah, Amazon and Wondery podcast called Alternate Routes. The whole premise of the show is we take one moment in sports, a flashpoint, if you will, a pivotal thing that happens, and flip it the other way. Like we're at the Super Bowl, right? What happens in Super Bowl 49 between the Seahawks and the Patriots? Oh, no. Second oh, come and on. one, right? What happens if you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch <laughs> instead of throwing it inside your fourth-best receiver in Ricardo Lockett, right? I'm going to say the Seahawks win that game because he's going to score, and then suddenly Pete Carroll becomes the first coach in the history of football, in the history of football with multiple championships in college and multiple Super Bowl wins. No one else can make that claim. No one. That changes his legacy forever. What does that do to Tom Brady? It would have been 11 years since his last Super Bowl win. After winning his first three, he and Belichick would have lost their last three. Does he get kicked out for Jimmy Garoppolo, who was drafted that year to replace Tom Brady? And does Bill Belichick ever achieve GOAT status by winning all these other Super Bowls? It changes everything oh, it dramatically. It's fascinating. And we have all these points. Uh, one of them, which is one of my favorites, and I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. 1979 NBA draft. The Lakers and the Bulls had to flip a coin to see who would get the first pick in the draft, which was Magic Johnson. Lakers won the coin toss. They draft Magic Johnson. What happens if the Bulls win that coin toss? Magic goes to Chicago, where you have Artis Gilmore, whose numbers were almost identical to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's at that time. Does Artis Gilmore go on to become the greatest center and the highest scorer in the history of the NBA? Whoa. Does Magic Johnson run Showtime in Chicago? Does Pat Riley even exist as an entity in the NBA because his claim to fame was taken over for Paul Westhead after he was fired and making the Lakers the Showtime Lakers. And in fact, in a really weird scenario, we played it out <laughs> so far that if that had happened, Charles Barkley, not Barack Obama, would have been the first African-American president. It all makes sense oh my if you listen to the podcast because <laughs> things go crazily the other way. As a massive history buff, yeah. that is incredible. It yeah. sounds like so much fun. It is. Like, how do you do it? Do you chart it? Well, yeah, what? one of the things that the theory goes, the Bulls would not have been able to draft Michael because they would have been winning with Magic Johnson. So he goes somewhere else. Charles Barkley goes somewhere else. And in this situation, we have him going to the then Washington Bullets, now the Washington Wizards, where one of his teammates would have been Tom McMillan. Tom McMillan, after becoming a great NBA player, went on to be a congressman. Charles Barkley's interest in politics would have gotten lit a little faster. Probably <laughs> becomes governor of Alabama, then runs for president, becomes the first president of the United States as an African-American. Are you going to do the, what if Travis Kelsey never gave Taylor Swift the friendship bracelet? Correct. And never talked about it on his podcast. Correct. And how things would look different for the Chiefs. Correct. What, <laughs> what, what, call me crazy, what if the Bears had decided to move up and draft Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky? Or, here's another crazy one, what if the Bills had said, no, we're not going to make that trade, and they would draft Patrick Mahomes instead of Josh Allen, even though Josh Allen has been remarkable. Mm. There's so many things that play out in the Bills, maybe finally win a Super Bowl, and all this angst in Western New York is resolved. There's a million different ways you can do it. What if Bartman didn't catch that ball oh, in, in 2003? Oh, my gosh. There's a million of them. What well, if, what about if David Tyree didn't catch the ball in his helmet? Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. All of these things, and you take out the tentacles. It's like a sliding doors thing, butterfly effect in sports. Wow, it's and amazing. we just we see how far we can take it. So how many episodes have you plotted out, or at least oh, you've thought of at this point? I think we have 30 or 40 already that we've already sort of going. But the whole point is to do this forever and ever world without end amen <laughs> so uh it's it's really fun it drops the first episode drops march 5th on wondery plus and then uh, worldwide wherever you ever get your podcast on march 12th it's kevin frazier and i who i worked with again i used to work with at espn 
we're doing it together. It, it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's alternate a lot of fun. routes. Alternate routes. And in Canada, probably alternate routes, but that's a separate <laughs> show, sorry. Kevin is the host of the NFL Honors. Yep. Yet another way that the NFL has turned into this primetime spectacle, yeah. because it never used to be that way, and now they've got it on a made-for-TV event, like the draft is now two weeks long instead yeah. of just being four days. Correct. Where else can they possibly expand? Well, think about it. I mean, they've already, they just announced that there's going to be a Friday night opening night game oh, in Brazil. Brazil. You know, so, and that gives them a little chance, whoever takes that train, to come back and get going. The other Roger Goodell stated goal, uh, goal has been, I want to have a team in London as soon as possible. Now, I think that's practically impossible. But I think if you put a whole league there and then teams went over and played three games, you know, because the, the old... Like world, a rotation? Yeah. The old uh, uh, World League of American Football had like four teams in Germany and the numbers in Germany for all the games that have been played over there have been amazing. Put one in London, put three teams in Germany, have your own international division. They come over to the States, play four weeks in a row, and then people go back vice versa. That makes more sense to me than having just a one-off in, in London. That doesn't Do you make think sense. that will affect player choice and free agency? whether or not they want to go, don't want to go, because that's quite a feat. I would agree. There's a lot of logistics that go in with that. And, you know, people say when a guy's traded, well, why isn't he playing as well as he did in his old team? Because his life has been uprooted. He, if he has a family, if he has kids, they got to sell the house. They've got to find a new place. they got to put kids in new schools. We look at these players, and this was the way I sort of approached it with the draft. We look at players as inanimate objects, as widgets, if you will. Oh, we need a tight end. Pull this here, plug this in here. Well, no, it's a person. And a person is not something that you can sort of manipulate that easily. There's a lot of other things that come along with humanity that factor into how you perform. So I always tried to make that sort of my philosophy with the draft is these are players, but they're also people. And that's a big part of it in free agency. All that has to be factored in with how you're going to do this. Trey Wingo, love the voice. Thank uh, you, being able to be in person again here on Radio Row. Tom Brady. Yeah. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't when yeah. he gets into the broadcast booth, which blows me away because he is the most popular quarterback of all time. Yeah. You've done broadcasting a long time. Yeah. What counsel, wisdom would you give him if he says, hey, Trey, yeah. I'm a little nervous about this? A, he wouldn't be, and B, he wouldn't <laughs> call me. Uh, and C, I would say is just do your homework. Right? Like I feel bad for Greg Olson. Greg Olson is wonderful at this. He's amazing. He is at very this. good. I think he's as good as anybody else in the business. And I understand the splash hire with Fox. And I understand that. But there's a lot of reasons ex-players don't want to go into coaching. Because it's a grind. It's a grind. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do this, prepare. You know, prepare. And I'm not saying he won't, but just don't take it lightly. I mean, it's a real opportunity to connect with people on a real way. And that's what I love about what Peyton did. I think one of the reasons Peyton and Eli are doing the thing they're doing is that they realized if they wanted to really analyze games as a, as a color guy in a booth, you know, Peyton is all football all the time. He wouldn't be able to get through half the play before the next play is started. Right. right? And on the Manning cast, <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about that. They, they sort of go through whatever, and then they react to the next play as it happens. Well, you can't do that in a traditional booth. So all I would say is, you know, you made quarterbacking a craft. Treat the broadcast booth the same way. That's what I would say. Did you ever think there would be so many athletes, not just getting into broadcasting? Because yeah. you mentioned Mark, you mentioned Merrill, yeah. I mean, Ron Jaworski, we could go on and on. Yeah. But the podcast realm, yeah. where it's almost direct-to-consumer trade, Correct. they don't have to go through another outlet. Correct. It's this is me and this is my property. Yeah. Our phones are international broadcasting centers. That's what they are. 
you know, and, and people, I mean, there's a reason ESPN, TNT, and Fox just combined together to stream everything. Jim Gaffigan, by the comedian, who played offensive line in college at Georgetown, had a great line. He said, all these streaming services, they should put them together and call it cable. <laughs> Which is essentially what we're doing now. It's essentially what, what we're doing because there's so many different outlets out there. So, yeah, I mean, you have to be more nimble and you have to find a way to go where the people are. What did Roger say about the streaming Peacock game? He said, we fish where the fish are. And that's where the viewership is. And he said the demographic of the people that streamed that Chiefs-Dolphins game on Peacock was 10 years younger than the average wow. game that watches it on free TV. Right. I mean, they are ahead of the curve, that's for sure. Correct. Okay, so before I let you go, yeah. one thing, well, two things you and I have in common, yeah. our previous network, yeah. right, our career. But I will die on this hill. Yeah. Wins are not a quarterback stat. It drives Preach me it, berserk. Preach and it. I know for a long time that was in your bio on, okay, it, on Twitter. It drives me crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. He's only on the field half the time, and that's yeah. in a good game. Yeah. The easiest way I can give it to you, one of the greatest playoff games of all time, two years ago, the divisional round between the Bills and the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Right? With 13 seconds to go, Josh Allen puts his team in front. Sean McDermott makes an egregious mistake and kicks it out of the back of the end zone, thus saving time on the clock for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in two plays to set up a 47-yard field goal. Yet that game goes down as a loss for Josh Allen. What the hell did he do wrong? What the hell did he do wrong? There was a game, I want to say it was 2013 or 2014, Steelers-Ravens, Week 17. Whoever won the game won the division. Joe Flacco led the Ravens down in Pittsburgh at the end of the game go-ahead touchdown with like a minute 40 to play. Did his job. Steelers go down and score with almost no time left. That was the, uh, you know, they had the immaculate reception with Franco Harris. That was the immaculate yes, extension it was. Yes, it was. with Antonio Brown. Joe Flacco gets credited for a loss. Why? What did he do? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you need you don't need a quarterback to win. Of you course. Do, you do. Of course. But, you know, David Tyree has to make the helmet catch. Santonio Holmes has to catch the corner route from Ben Roethlisberger. Otherwise, it's an incomplete play. Teams win games. Teams win championships. Thank you. But you better have a dude. You better have a dude playing quarterback. Well, so now you've got me thinking about your new show. Yeah. What if... That's a great question. It's like a Paul Harvey. Exactly. The rest of the story. What if it's not the Chiefs who win that game with the 13 seconds to go? They yeah. go into overtime. It's the Bills. Are yeah. we not talking about Chiefs dynasty? We're Josh not. Allen, the Bills finally have a Super Bowl. He's the one maybe. Well, he's. I think he's getting married, right? But he's the yeah. one who's dating Taylor Swift. Right. I don't know. Yeah. All these various ways that things could change. Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> okay, here, here's a crazy one. Like, in the Chiefs' first ever AFC Championship game of the five they hosted in a row after the 2018 season. Yep. They picked off Tom Brady with a minute 12 to play in that game. Game-ending play. Oh, I know what you're talking D about. D Ford lined up Yes, offsides. he did. So in that case, are we talking about a team that's going to six straight Super Bowls, which has never happened? I mean, like, there are a million This is things. so great. Take one thing, flip it a little bit, and see how crazy you can get. Yes. No, yeah. that is a podcast or a show that could go on forever. That's the whole As point. in forever. <laughs> okay, so I know I follow you on Twitter. Yes. But now, without the blue check marks. It's ridiculous. So remind people where they can get you. At Wingo's, W-I-N-G-O-Z, uh, Trey.Wingo on Instagram. And I'm also on threads, which I enjoy. It's it's a it's a more civil place. <laughs> As social media goes. Yes. And when does the show start? The show starts March 5th on Wondery Plus, and then we go worldwide on March 12th, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, it's so good to catch up with you Amy, again. This is a you. lot of fun. Great to see you. Thanks so much. Anytime. That voice is one you know. It's been associated with the NFL for a long time, but it was great to see Trey Wingo again. And as a history buff, as someone who's big into fiction, 
And also the question of what if is so alluring. That podcast, Alternate Routes, sounds tremendous. I can't wait to check it out. And he's a great storyteller, too. Uh, So hope that you'll find it when you have the opportunity. It debuts very soon. On Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page, too. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Another 40 minutes or so from Las Vegas and 98.5 HD2, the bet, our local affiliate. And coming up, we've got a bit of a story uh, about... What do we, well, we have a bit of a story about Radio Row and a couple of the crazy er things that we saw. But if you would like to check out the stuffed animals that were wandering around Radio Row, you can see that on both Twitter and Facebook because Jay has put up some reels. Uh, and also Bobby Flay still to come. Plus the AFC North with some major validation on Thursday at the NFL Honors. That's Lamar Jackson, a two-time NFL MVP and the youngest to ever win the award twice. I believe the NFL honors were a great validation of the AFC North as the best division in football. Now, he was one vote shy of unanimous. The other vote went to Josh Allen. So one first place vote for Josh Allen, but ultimately Josh finished fifth in the voting. Lamar ran away with the award. Dak Prescott, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy got no first place votes. There were a handful in there for Miles Garrett of the Browns. Oh, but that's not the award he ultimately ended up with. Nope, that was defensive player of the year. Another Brown, Joe Flacco, wins comeback player of the year. After two and a half months on the couch, the guy steps in for five games and helps to spark Cleveland to the playoffs. Kevin Stefanski, also of the Browns, coach of the year. And assistant coach of the year, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator with Cleveland. So that's five awards coming out of the AFC North. And then wait, there's more. And I want to hear from him because not only is he one of my favorites in the NFL, but he's a longtime Steelers defensive lineman, also from the AFC North, who claims the NFL's Walter Payton Man of the Year honors. This award is great, and I appreciate it. But I understand I got more work to do. I got I to make sure I represent this man every day going forward. And so I ask you guys, my brothers, keep doing the work. Keep being the positive role models you are. I know it's not always pretty. I know a lot of people like to talk about the other stuff, but you guys are the change. You guys are making a difference, and I'm just thankful for that. And last thing, if you are a young child or you are part of the youth, just know whether you're struggling, you're hurting, and you're just looking for somebody to have your back, I got you. So thank you so much. God bless. Good night. We actually saw the former NFL Man of the Year, so last year's honoree, Andrew Whitworth. He was at the Cigars with Stars party, and he was walking in as we were walking out. So he had attended NFL honors and then made it over to the M Resort Spa Casino. Uh, Cam Hayward works with kiddos, primarily feeding children who do not have enough to eat and are hungry, but also working with kiddos who need a hand up when it comes to reading. Admire him a whole lot. If you missed the photo of him interviewing his former teammate, James Conner, I actually took it and put it up on both Twitter, A-Law Radio, and Facebook. 
he was doing an interview for his podcast, meaning Cam, and we were standing right there. So as the two of them are going back and forth, uh, we're laughing. There are just a couple of people there, and he was laughing at us laughing at his conversation. So a lot of athletes these days have their own podcast. I call it direct-to-consumer, all-access. Skip the middleman, skip the radio, skip the TV. Not, of course, that we are becoming irrelevant because that is not true. There are photos and videos all over the darn place. So, again, check out Twitter, A-Law Radio. One photo Jay took of me and Puka Nakua. You're going to have to figure it out. Go, go look on Twitter because it was the portion of the week where we get completely delirious and... We're goofy. The world's upside down. Also, Damar Hamlin dazzled by a magic trick. And a bunch of other photos of our guests, including Bobby Filet. He's our last interview, but our first on Thursday Radio Row. It was so cool. As someone who claims food as my love language, this might be the pinnacle of my career. Celebrity chef. And I got him to laugh. You'll hear that next. True to form, we save the best for last. I didn't know if any of our guests from Las Vegas could top the Thunderbird pilots who will be leading the flyover on Sunday. So don't miss it. The commander of the left wing, we talked to them. And if you missed that conversation, in fact, any conversation from Radio Row, all of them on our podcast. And we have the link up every weekday morning. All you got to do is Google it and find out. How to Grab Us, After Hours, Amy Lawrence Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But because we wanted to save the best for last, we give you one more celebrity from Radio Row that, yes, rivals the Thunderbirds, Bobby Flay, celebrity chef on the Food Network since the 90s. He's an Emmy winner. He's got dozens of restaurants. He's got dozens of cookbooks. He's got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And he sat down with a wide-ranging conversation with me on Radio Row because, let's face it, we're foodies. (laughs) And I said that to him. We love food. As much as we cover football and sports, we might talk about food more than anything else. True story, Bobby. How much do you love football? I love football. I mean, I've been a fan my entire life, since I can remember, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a Giants fan, so. Are you? So is my producer. Yeah. He feels like he's long-suffering. Well, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had to listen. We've won some Super Bowls. I mean, not every team can say that, right? But, yeah, I don't think they're playing Sunday. <laughs> no, they're definitely not. Okay. Nor is my team, the Denver Broncos, so we're in the same boat. How do you like the marriage of Super Bowl in Vegas? My first time here, so I'm asking you. Your first time in my Vegas? My first time in Vegas. Well, this it's is insane. This is quite a week for you to be <laughs> coming for your first time. Listen, uh, I've been in Vegas doing business here for 20 years. I have restaurants in Caesars Palace, and it's a great city, and it just gets better. And honestly, like, I don't think there's a better place to have the Super Bowl because Super Bowl – the game is like almost the afterthought when you get to Sunday. Right? It's all the things that lead up to it and all the logistics. I mean, I've been at plenty of Super Bowl like cities during the Super Bowl week, and a lot of times it's hard to get rooms. They're far away. Mm-hmm. Everything is spread out. This place, there's rooms up and down the strip, you know, at every level. There's great food in every building. There's great entertainment. I mean, yes. you can go see Adele and then come to one of my restaurants like on a Thursday, like before the game. I mean, there's tons of things to do here. I just think it makes perfect sense. You opened a new restaurant in Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. I know you've got restaurants all over the place, right? But what's special about Vegas when you marry it with food? Well, I mean, look, the bottom line is For a chef, this is a place that you can really kind of unwind all your culinary fantasies because people are here to spend money, right? 
They, when people come, when people land at the airport in Las Vegas, they're not trying to figure out how not to spend money. <laughs> they're, they're here to spend money. They know they're either going to gamble it, or they're going to buy a cool bag in one of the uh, cool shops, or they're going to go to entertainment, or they're going to go to a, like a fancy restaurant. And they're going to try things that they probably maybe wouldn't try in their hometown. And so for somebody like me, it just, it just it gives me li li like license to kind of to, to be really creative and live out the things that I want to be able to do here. Yeah, well, bucket list item Cirque du Soleil, which I'll be seeing on Friday. I'm really excited about which that. Which one are you going to? I'm going to see Mystere. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard it's iconic. Well, they're all iconic. When you see the talent of these people, you're like, this is the talent in this town across the board, forget about the food. I mean, yes, we think we have great chefs here, but <laughs> the bottom line is like the entertainment here is it's, it's world, world. It's like it's like it's it's so amazing. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be blown away. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Bobby Flay here on Radio Row. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. I gotta ask this question because I don't actually know. You're a TV host. You've released so many cookbooks. I've heard that maybe there's another one coming out soon. You travel. You've got restaurants all over the place. How much do you actually cook? I cook more than you can. I cook more than most people in the world. I can promise you that. I cook all the time. When you say I'm a TV host, like most of the things I do on TV, I'm cooking. So I just finished 32 episodes of Beat Bobby Flay. I wow. mean, I, I'm cooking every single day, and I cook in my restaurants and. I cook at home all the do time. Do you? Yes, That was absolutely. my follow-up. How yes. much do you enjoy cooking in your free time? I love it. It's one of the things that I get asked a lot about. Well, you know, the media asks me all the time, like, okay, we know you cook for a living, but what do you do for fun? And basically, it's the same answer. But it's a very different pace, you know? I show my adoration and my love for my friends and family by cooking for them. I mean, that's, that's what I do. It's, it's my love language. Hmm. I, you know, I dropped out of high school when I was 16, and I went to work in a restaurant, and I, like, literally saved my life. So it's like, I love cooking so much, I can do it every single day. What are some of your favorite dishes to cook? If you're home, not in a restaurant, but on your free time. Well, I'll tell you one of the, one of the things that I love to cook. This is a really funny story. It's a, it's a great question. Because I like to cook lots of different things. It depends on the season. depends where I am, whatever. But there's a dish. So I'm a native New Yorker. I was walking yes. down the streets of New York one day, and this construction worker, like this big sort of big brawny guy, you know, like you would never think would be like into food, <laughs> like said to me, hey, Bobby, like saw me walking down the street. If you had to cook one dish to feed the world, what would it be? And I was like, paella. And paella is a wonderful dish because it can feed lots of people. It's made, the base of it is with rice and you can put anything on it. Mm -hmm. And rice is one of those ingredients that every place in the world has a rice dish. And so I love making paella for my friends because it makes me think about kind of feeding as many people as I possibly can, but obviously in a delicious way. Cool. Yeah. Now, I was reading some of your posts on social about your daughter. Does she inherit your love of food, and is she as into it as you are? Well, I mean, she doesn't make a living doing it, but a lot of, and a lot of people actually ask her, you know, are you gonna, do you want to be a chef? She's, you know, she's 27. She's actually a journalist in, in, in L.A. Awesome. Is she here? She's coming tonight. Good. But she's not working. Oh, okay. So that just means I have to feed her and her friends. <laughs> That's totally fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but does she enjoy it? Oh, yeah. Different oh, no, no, no. She is like a lot. Like her thing is like anything shellfish from the raw bar, lobsters, crabs. This is a dish that I named after a scallop dish that I named after her on the Brasserie B menu. And she's like, just make sure that like her name is Sophie. So she's like, just make sure that the dish you pick for me has alliteration. So with scallops and Sophie. So it's, it's, it's base scallop Sophie. So she's happy.
Well, as a journalist who's worked in the business 25 years, mostly radio, I love alliteration. It's my favorite literary tool, so you tell her. That's fun. It okay. stands out yes, whenever it you does. use alliteration. Absolutely. That's awesome. What's your comfort food? You mentioned the paella to cook for people, but what do you like to eat when you just eat a break? I'm a burger guy. And I, I mean, really? I have I have burger restaurants called, called Bobby's Burgers, actually in Caesars and Harris and Paris here. So you can't get away from me in Las Vegas. <laughs> if you're going to eat, I'm going to feed you whether you like it or not. <laughs> But burgers, I'm a burger guy. Like, and I, I will tell you that most chefs, like, we're not looking for caviar and foie gras at dinner end of a meal. We want like comfort food things. But I've I've always grown up being a cheeseburger guy, so I have a lot of opinions about burgers. What's the ultimate compliment when someone eats at your restaurant? Just that they like the food. Like honestly, you know, because I'm on TV, people want to take pictures and this and that. I don't care about any of that. I want to know no. if you like the food. If you like the food, I'm like I'm thrilled. Because to me, being in my chef whites in my kitchens. That, to me, is, is the place I want to be more than any place else, way more than television. Hmm. Bobby Flay with us here on Radio Row. I read you've got French background, an Italian restaurant, right? Yeah. Uh, here in Las Vegas. American food, you talk mm -hmm. about the burgers. Yeah. So what would you say is your signature style? Well, it's evolved over time. I mean, I've been cooking professionally for close to 40 years now, if you wow. can believe that. It's crazy. And so for a long time, I had a restaurant called Mesa Grill, which was an American Southwestern food, you know, lots of chili peppers, et cetera. And those ingredients still are part of my cuisine, but in different places. I've become obsessed with Italy. It's the place that I want to spend my free time as much as I can. Nice. So my first Italian restaurant, we opened here two and a half years ago at Caesars called the Malfi. But you'll see bits and pieces of like chilies from Calabria and things like that. So when you go there, it might, it might look and feel Italian, but you know it's a Bobby Flay restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So I love to bake. People ask me all the time, what's something you either can't bake or you've screwed up? Have you ever, ha I'm sure you have. What's a dish that, Either you don't enjoy making or you're maybe not as good at. I'm not a good baker. So anything you want. Any, no cookies? No, when people come on Beat Bobby Flay, like they're like, I'm going to challenge him to something that he has to bake. Because I'm like, I literally, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, and I explain this to some people all the time. Being a chef and being a pastry chef is like two different professions. It's like being a plumber and an electrician. <laughs> No, seriously. It's like we wear the same uniforms yeah. and we can kind of get by doing one or the other, but we're way better than one and then the other. Pastry is a completely different ball game. When I have to break out like the butter, flour, sugar, and eggs, I like freak out. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you this. Break out in hives. You know what it is? You know what it is? Because you have to, usually it's some sort of batter or some kind of cake yes. and you put it in the oven and I lose control. <laughs> it's can't a lot. It it's a lot. I'm like, wait, what? So if, if I'm cooking something on top of the stove, I can always adjust, add some more olive oil, season it, this and that. Once you put it in the oven, you just have to pray. I don't like it. Awesome. You said you dropped out of school and started working when you were a teenager. Yeah. What was your first job in food? I was working in a restaurant. Like uh, I started washing dishes, and then I was like doing some prep, and you know, taught me how to use a knife. I was 16, and I dropped out of high school, and I was just like, I need a job. I was not interested in like picking up a textbook and learning. It just, right. I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. I needed vocational education, and, mm. and I think we need more vocational education in this country. True. Because once I started working with my hands, the light bulb went off, and I was like, Wow, I love this. Awesome. And it was like the first time as a as a teenager I was excited about anything. Mm. You know, so. I just got lucky, but listen, I mean, I found what I love to do and I've been doing it every day since. About 30 years ago, when I decided I wanted to be a radio host yeah. and I wanted to work in sports, 
women weren't doing that. Yep. People said to me, you better have a backup plan because that doesn't usually work. They were being kind, but at the time, there was no one who was doing sure. what I wanted to do. Right. Celebrity chefs were not a thing 40 years ago, even 30 years no. ago. How did your family and friends react when you decided that this is what you wanted to do for a living, the uh, cooking part? Oh, the cook, well, yeah, I mean, it was really thought of as a blue collar profession at the time, but my father and my mom, they were just happy I got, that I got a job. <laughs> I mean, because my father was like, look, you're not just gonna hang out with your friends in the street corner. You know, like you need to like, you need to go earn a living, you know? And so I went and got a job and they were just happy that I found something that I liked, even, even though it wasn't a very fashionable thing at the moment. And listen, I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. Food became important in this country. The Food Network was born. I've been there since the beginning. Right. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I've been very blessed to have a, uh, to be in the right place at the right time. Timing's everything. A chef has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I do. That's incredible. I'm the first chef to have a star. Yeah. It was an amazing moment. It really was. And my daughter literally lives in LA, little a block and a half from, oh, wow. from my star. I'm like, do you go by and say hello to me every day? She she's can like, sweep it for you. Yeah, she's like, Dad, I don't even think about it anymore. I just walk over it. <laughs> Super Bowl parties. Yeah. I mean, they're huge all over the country, right? We're talking about a third of our nation that will be watching the game in some capacity. If you're hosting or you're giving a recommendation, what would you say? Super Bowl snack, got to have it. Okay, here's the deal. Like, and I've been answering this question like all week. I think you have to give the people what they want. Okay. The bottom line is on Super Bowl Sunday, people crave certain things. They crave nachos, they crave sliders, <laughs> they crave chicken wings. Wings? Yeah. Yes, but here's the deal. Make them good. Right, because there's bad versions of all three oh, of those yes. things. And I'm not into chili on Super Bowl Sunday. I just don't want it. I, I, like, I don't know. It's just I'm chili hating today. But I, I, I think, like, you know, when you have nachos, it's not, not just a bunch of tortilla chips and melted cheese. Like, make a beautiful cheese sauce, pick out some beautiful tortillas, get some, you know, great avocados, gorgeous tomatoes, make a great salsa, make everything individually, and it's the way you layer it. Uh -huh. Because you want crispiness, but True. also you want it to be dressed right. And then also, to me, it's also about timing in terms of like, you know, when you put out food for the, for the game. Oh, yeah. You need things for when people get there, okay, because people are gonna be drinking, let's face it. But, like, put out one thing at a time, and then put something out at, at halftime, and then maybe after halftime you can kind of like, relax and watch the rest of the game as the host <laughs> but timing and the way that you put these things together the but, but give the people what you want they want they want Super Bowl food <laughs> awesome well it's great to meet you my, pleasure. Uh, my husband's coming in today we'll try one of your restaurants so that Please we can do. say we did here in Vegas I'll be there thank you for a couple of minutes enjoy the weekend my pleasure thanks <laughs> right as someone who shares food as a love language with Bobby Flay that was fire it rocked oh my gosh I'm pretty sure my heart was pounding because I was smiling so big. And actually, I think I might have sore cheeks. Like, I'm going to have sore muscles. I'm, I'm doing it right now. My cheeks from grinning. Everything from Cigars with the Stars, in which we were huddled around heaters because the wind chills outside of the M Resort were in the 20s. <laughs> Uh, there were lifeguards. The poor lifeguards were surrounding the pool, wrapped up in blankets and towels because they were frigid. Anyway, that was really me. And our thanks again profusely to our friends at Southern Recipe Pork Rinds for making this week possible. For producer Jay and I to be here on Radio Row three days, hit it hard, take lots of photos, tons of videos. Jay's done an incredible job. Production, still more to come. He'll have a montage on our YouTube channel at some point. But, you know, we've got a date to keep. 
So he might not have to work the next few hours. He's got to get some Z's before we head to our date with Chicago Johnny at the Mob Museum in now just seven hours. But, yes, thank you to Southern Recipe Pork Rinds. The Rudolph family met Mr. Rudolph just a few hours ago. And Mark Singleton is the VP of Rudolph Foods. The Hall of Famer, Steve Largent, Kellen Winslow. Again, any of the conversations that you've missed from Radio Row, they're podcasted. Just Google it, After Hours, Amy Lawrence, Podcast Vegas. Uh, find me on Twitter, Law Radio, with the photos, including a red carpet shot. Oh, yeah, Producer Jay, finally out from behind the camera. Uh, and, and a few pieces of memorabilia. We got goofy. We got crazy. We will have stories, I'm sure, from the Mob Museum and the Bellagio and then Cirque du Soleil on Friday night. So make sure you tune in Sunday for the After Hours Super Bowl postgame show. Have a great weekend. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence from Vegas here on CBS Sports Radio.